0: We hope that you will subscribe and will share our program with others. Now we take you to the service of the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ.
1: I was told by Matthew to make sure I plug this, so I better, because I know he'll be watching. He'll see if I did. Um, we want to start off the year strong. I think it's we have this week, and then next week is Christmas, then the next week is January one. 2023 will be here before we know it and we want to start off strong. We want to help you start off strong We would love if we would have 200 people here that Sunday um, We've come very close. I think one day we had like 199 and uh, we've had one in the 190 several times this year And um, we know we can do it. So please make every effort to be here that Sunday of course, every Sunday, but especially that Sunday, and invite your friends, invite your family, and let's see if we can jump that 200 mark uh, on January the 1st and start our year off really, really strong. This week's been real busy for me, and uh, well, I say real busy. It's been busy, but in a different way, but I know you know what it's like to have a busy week. For me, it started with knowing I had to preach and teach class, and I was getting everything together. Uh, for my Wednesday class and other activities, and then getting ready around the house with having two kids under two, that that's already busy. And um, third, I guess Tuesday night, uh, I was like, I probably need to go to the doctor because I'm I, I got something. So Wednesday, I went to the doctor, and they said, Well, you're negative for everything we tested you for, but it could be too early. So we're going to give you medicine and stay away from people. I'm like, well, I got stuff to do, (laughs) you know. But we know we don't want to share that with anybody. So I stayed home, and I was banished to the couch. And uh, this weekend, I was supposed to join my family to go see my brother-in-law graduate with his master's. They went without me, so I got to stay behind, rest up, and here I am preaching. So I feel about 90% better. Uh, I've been on medicine, and I uh, am, am better, so I'm glad to be here. But it's been busy, but this whole year's been busy. Maybe you know what it's like to be busy, where you can't slow down. Maybe you just want to catch your breath, take a break, maybe even just breathe. Maybe you've been just so stressed in life that with struggles or with temptations, with trials, and maybe you've looked at the world and you said, man, it's so chaotic out there. Things are just so crazy. I just want peace. Has anybody said that? I just want some peace. I see some mother's hands going up fairly quickly. And uh, I know what it's like, you know, I'm sure Catherine being a mother of two under two and uh, having to, you know, do a lot with them, especially, I'm helpful too. But, you know, I understand what it's, I don't, I do not understand what it's like to be a mother. And uh, so I know a lot of our mothers saying, I just want to relax. And our culture tells us. There's no time for it. You got to keep up with the Joneses. You got to keep this rat race going to keep on reaching that next le- uh, ladder or next step of success. But if you're like me, I just want some peace. Oh, there we go. I just want a break sometimes. I just want there to be no conflict. I want there to be nothing stressful. I just want there to be unity and happiness and. Well, The whole thing when you see people, when they're in these little contestant shows, they say, what do you wish for? World peace. Well, what does that even mean? We're going to talk about what peace means and about the guy, the person, the man, the God that gives us that peace, Jesus. These last few weeks, we've been studying from our Isaiah passage these names of Jesus. We have looked at Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and all of those have been so helpful To study uh, as I hope they've been as helpful to you as they have been to me, and this morning we're looking at Jesus being the Prince of Peace. Peace just sounds so wonderful, so encouraging. And as I was preparing for this lesson, I came across this article that I thought was really helpful, talking about how Jesus is our Prince of Peace, how He's still the Prince of Peace, and they listed some ways. And I thought those are some some pretty nice some pretty nice points. And uh, so I took a couple of them, and I said, these are great statements for us to explore. And I wanted to share them with you today. So the first thing we're looking at is, and maybe you can see them, maybe you can't with that white on white, unfortunately. But Jesus is our Prince of Peace, but he gives us this peace in times of difficulties. I started this morning off by saying there's sickness. I had some sickness early this week, but also, hopefully, you know, finding out that we all struggle with just being busy, just being stressed. Maybe there's things in our lives that are stressful. Maybe there's temptation. Maybe there's trials. Maybe there's a struggle you're going through that you haven't shared with someone before. But we all know what it's like to not have peace. So how do we have peace in times of difficulty? Well, toward the end of Jesus's life, Jesus had some very blunt conversations. Jesus often spoke in parables he often spoke figuratively, but sometimes when he was with his disciples, especially the closer we get to the end of his life, Jesus was very blunt. He was blunt with the Pharisees often because he held them to this higher standard because they were the, the world leaders, they were the religious leaders, they were the, the religious experts of the law. So he says, you should know these things. But with his disciples, as he got closer, he was very blunt. And in John chapter, thir- oh, sorry, 16, I can't read, John 16, he was sharing with them some very blunt things. Even, to, uh, even going back earlier in the book, and he was sharing with them some blunt statements, giving them this farewell discord almost. And his, the, he was warning them because he knew that their world was about to be completely changed. They were about to watch their best friend get arrested. They're about to watch their best friend be beaten and murdered, and then sentenced, well, before all that, sentenced unjustly, and then they were going to be scattered, and then their world, even after that, was about to be completely flipped upside down. Many of them, all of the disciples, I think except for one or two, if our history is correct, uh, lost their life for the cause of Christ. So their lives are about to be completely changed. And in John 16, verse 33, he says this. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. Okay, he just kind of was telling them all these things are going to happen. And he's telling them some very hard things to understand, to accept. And then he says, I've told you these things so you can have peace. Well, it doesn't sound very peaceful to me, Jesus. And he says... In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. He says, yes, you're about to suffer. Yes, I'm about to suffer. but And yes, you're going to have a difficult road ahead, but you can still have peace. To me, that doesn't sound like peace. To me, someone saying your life's about to get more hectic sounds like the opposite of peace. <laughs> to me, peace is... I don't want conflict, I don't want struggles, I want everything to be just nice and easy, and that sounds like peace. But Jesus is saying, no, no, in me you'll have peace, but he's not talking about no conflict. He's not talking about no bad experiences, but he's talking about an inward peace. Now, how can we have an inward peace whenever things are going bad? You know, we back up here and it says, peace in times of difficulty. How can we have peace when things are not going according to plan? And I say that, our plan. Now, sometimes even God's plan, we can decide to go against. I was just having this conversation with someone the other day on the wills of God. Uh, there's a book called The Will of God, good name, uh, by I think it's Leslie Westerwood. Wester. I forget his last name. But he goes through, it's written, I think, 1940-something. And he talks about there's three wills, and uh, you have, I call it the ideal will. I think he calls it the, um, the intentional will. So God's intention is for all men to be saved. Can man choose to go against and defeat that will of God? Well, yes, because we have free will. He has the conditional will that if we follow him and obey him, we'll be blessed and have forgiveness um, and be able to have the promise of everlasting life. Can man choose to accept or reject that will? Well, of course. Then the ultimate will, which is, on the day of judgment, God will decide to those, on, those who are faithful, those who obeyed. He says, you will go to the right into the blessings of eternal life. Those on the left will be sent to have eternal suffering. But he says, you're about to have peace, even though things aren't going to plan. And it's, it really that comes to our plan. We think that we have an idea of what our life is going to look like. And sometimes God says, I have another plan. I have another plan for you. I have another plan for your life. And right now, what's about to happen is I'm about to suffer. And you're going to suffer along with me because you are my disciples. And they're sitting there and they still, they really never understood it. They never really understood what Jesus was warning them was coming And what was coming was, he was about to be arrested, beaten, put on the cross. And he also knew that they were all going to leave him in that moment. But he's saying, you can still have peace. But he's talking about this inner peace. Peace with Jesus, who despite circumstances, will be able to allow us to say, I'm okay with what's happening. Even though it's negative, even though it's difficult, I can find peace in Jesus knowing that in the end... All things will work to glorify him. I think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the Old Testament. When they're plopped down into a, a country they don't know. <coughs> me. I tried to cover the mic, I'm sorry. Um, they plop down to a country they don't know. And then the king decides to build this massive statue. And he sends out this decree that says... I want you to bow down to this statue. Where Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, we will not bow down. And then the threat of, we'll, we'll just throw you into this fiery furnace. How about that? They said, we're still not going to bow down. And this whole, uh, uh, this peace that they must have had, because their response to the king, whenever the, he's really, really angry, and even so angry where he's stoking, he he, he orders the fire to be, I guess, heated up even more so there's men who were stoking the fire to get the furnace hotter than ever before and then they it gets so hot those who were uh, i guess helping the fire stoking the fire uh, they get burned up because they get too close to the fire you know if you ever those of you who like to play with fire like myself if you get too close to the flame it, it seems that something still catches on fire even though you haven't yet touched the flame that's what that's what happened they, they got too, a little too close it was so so hot that even outside the flame was hot enough to ignite certain things on fire, and they were they caught on fire, they died. And that would be very stressful to witness, but also that threat of, wait, you're gonna throw me where? You're gonna put me in, in that? Okay, I'll do whatever you say, not not to have that punishment. But that's not what they said. Instead they said, God or they said our God will save us, but even if he doesn't, we're still not gonna bow down. I pictured them as saying, well, do your worst. You know, it was a time of difficulty. It was this time of stress. They were, had a choice to remain faithful in times of difficulty or to give in in times of difficulty. There's really no peace because that furnace is not peaceful. You know, there's no peace in being forced to do something you don't want to do. There's no peace in trying to stand up for what you know is right. And, but their reaction is to say, do your worst. Because we're not going to give in, we're not going to allow you to force us or to, to make us give up our faith and our God. This inner peace they had where they trusted God to save them, but they were also okay with knowing, but if this doesn't work out in the way we want it to work out, we've accepted the consequences. We've accepted the, the suffering that we're about to experience. Jesus told them to find encouragement. He said, what going back to our, to our to our verse here, he said, "But take heart, I have overcome the world." He says, "I know you're about to go through a lot of stuff, and you're going to have peace, but then again, <coughs> there we go. You're going to also experience sufferings. But don't worry, because I've overcome the world. That reminds me of our passage, another passage in John. In 1 John, uh, a lot of his writings seem to be very similar to Jesus, uh, I guess, because he hung out with Jesus quite a bit. But in 1 John chapter 5, uh, John wrote this, For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. Jesus says, I've overcome the world. Take heart, I've overcome the world. And now we who have been born in God, born in Christ, it says, we too have overcome the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. So what's overcome the world? Because our faith, our faith in Jesus. I've said these things to you so that you may have peace, right? You may have peace in who? In Jesus, the giver of peace, the prince of peace. And here John's reminding us that we can overcome the world too because we have victory over the world because of our faith in Jesus. So it's so connected, but how can we do that? It's so easy to say, well, just have peace. Just trust in God. It's okay. Nothing to worry about. Well, no, there's a lot to worry about is what the world's telling us. And Paul Paul was uh, in prison when he wrote uh, these verses here in In Philippians chapter 4. This mic keeps coming off. In Philippians 4, starting in verse 4, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I always liked this verse, and when I was growing up, no one ever told me that he was in jail when he wrote this. It wasn't until maybe even high school that that I realized that he was in jail when he wrote this. And it makes it even more meaningful, at least to me, that he's sitting in a dark cell, and not even like a comfy cell like we see today. It's probably like some kind of dungeon-type area. And uh, definitely know air conditioning, definitely know, oh, we have to keep our people well fed, you know, with, you know, to keep our, our laws from being broken. They were mistreated very, very frequently. And here he's saying, rejoice always. Okay, Paul, what, what do you have to rejoice about? You're in jail. And then he says, be reasonable and let everyone know you're reasonable. And then be thankful and let God know your requests, but also do it with thanksgiving. We have a lot to be thankful for. And sometimes when we, have, when we find ourselves in times of difficulty, we forget to be thankful. And I'm not saying be thankful for what you're experiencing. I'm not saying that. Maybe after we learn and we grow, we can be thankful. But be thankful for what God has done for us in the past. Be thankful and trust in God by taking our sufferings to him. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm sorry. I got something in my throat. Um, next thing is God will give us peace in our hearts. We already looked at this Philippians passage, and I think I put it here twice. I hope so. I did not. I did. Perfect. And as we're looking at this passage, we can see again about being thankful, uh, having peace in our hearts. Because he says, be reasonable rejoice and then this last verse in verse 7 in the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus says your heart will be at peace if you just learn to be thankful if you learn to rejoice in all things and then he wrote in colossians 3 he says in the peace of God or sorry, peace of Christ right will rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called into one body and be thankful. I can't explain these things. When we go back and look at Philippians, he says it surpasses all understanding. It's a piece that we can't explain. It's, a, it's, a, it's a, an acceptance, just like when we're reading here in Philippians when he says rejoice and he's in jail. I can't explain that. I don't know how he was able to do that, but what I do know is it helped whenever he had faith in God, and he allowed that peace to rule his heart and not his circumstances. It's so easy to allow our bad circumstances and distresses of life and the temptations to rule our hearts instead of Jesus ruling our hearts. Instead of God ruling our hearts. And he says, if you do this, he says, you will have that peace, but you are called to do this and you should be thankful. Notice Thanksgiving is mentioned in both these passages. In Philippians 4 let everything and put in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, make them known to God, and then here in Colossians to be thankful. There's a recurring theme that can help us have peace, and that's being thankful. See, Satan wants us to give in to these other feelings like bitterness, anger, worry, stress, discouragement. Even Jesus was mistreated. Jesus was spat upon, he was sent to the cross for all the wrong reasons. But he still had peace. And I want that peace. And to me it means... If, <coughs> excuse me. To me if that means I have to empty myself. We talked about emptying ourselves in class today. Where it means I can't no longer fill up things in my life that I think's is right. Uh, we use the analogy from... Um, I think it was the Jackie Chan Karate Kid movie. Where the kid thinks he knows everything. And uh, the sensei keeps saying, well, empty your cup, empty your cup. And he keeps dumping his cup of water out and doesn't get the, what, uh, what the sensei is telling him, which is you don't know everything. Uh, I had a kid that I knew in, in college who told me he was uh, creating, um, he was teaching himself mixed martial arts by watching videos. He never took a class, but he had invented the unblockable move. And I looked at him and I was like, you have no idea what you're talking about. Because obviously, one, there's no such thing as the unblockable move. Uh, two, you can't teach yourself things like that without having any training. But he thought he knew everything. And he thought he was the best. And sometimes, now that's a, a silly example, but sometimes we fill ourselves up thinking we know what's best for our life. And we tell the creator of the universe, I know what I'm doing. And he says, no, you, you really don't. You need to empty yourself. Jesus emptied himself when he came on this earth. And became a servant and humbled himself and was obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross, as Paul reminds us. But he had peace. We see in the garden, we can say, well, he didn't have peace. He was stressed. He was so stressed. He was sweating, you know, drops of blood. He didn't want to do it. But what did he pray? I don't want to do this, but I'll do your will anyway. He was stressed. We're We're not taking away that. He was going through a difficult time. We're not taking away from that. You might be in that same situation. His response was, but I'm going to trust completely in you, and I'm going to be thankful that I have you in my life. That inner peace to allow us to rule our lives in the midst of chaos is something, again, looking back at at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, where they were standing by the furnace, they were looking at the king, and he was saying, bow down or you're going in. And they said, do your worst. Because we're not going to give in to your demands. When the world is is telling us to act a certain way, we should say, do your worst. When Satan's trying to tempt us and say, give in, turn your back on God, we should say, do your worst. When life is all spinning out of control, we should say, again, do your worst. Because I'm going to remain faithful and trust in God. But maybe not on this earth. I might not have this peace that I want, this no conflict on earth that that I want in this time but i know after life after death i'll have a home with him in heaven and i'll have no conflict forever having that inner peace where we can look at eternity as the big picture and not our in our moment circumstances will helps us have peace in our heart will help us be able to trust in him in times of difficulty but then our last point is peace with god and i added after this morning i was going over everything and I should have put peace with God and each other, and, and this will make sense as we look at some of our verses here. In Romans 5, verse 1, Paul says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. If we embrace the peace inside us in the midst of chaos, we also must accept that there's chaos with sin, and when there's sin in our lives, there is a separation between us and God. And because of Jesus coming on this earth, giving his life, going to the cross, taking on our sins, we have peace with God because we've been justified by our faith, and we have peace with him because he took away our sins. But we also know that we have to confess and, forgive our, and, and, and ask for forgiveness and, and walk in, in the light as he is in the light. But here we see that we have forgiveness and we've been justified because of Jesus, the giver of peace, the prince of peace. But more than that, in Ephesians chapter 2, I hope you can read that. I hope it's big enough. It's not big enough on that screen. But it says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near to the blood of Christ. So he's going to be talking about this Jew and Gentile um separation battle even some racism here and he says for he himself is our peace again prince of peace giver of peace jesus even separate even bringing together two groups of people who despised each other and he says for he himself is our peace who has made us both one and is broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility By abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two. So making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. So he says, you were on opposite ends. You know, these Jews and Gentiles, this clean, unclean. And he says, Jesus got rid of all of that. By his giving peace, by his sacrifice, by his establishing a new covenant, he says there's no longer different groups of people. We're all child, children of God. And then we have this unity, this peace with each other. But with also unity with each other comes unity with Jesus, unity with God, because the gap, this the, the divide between us and deity, us and, and and God the Father because of our sin has been bridged because of his cross because of his death on the cross and we have peace and it says right here at the very end of verse 16 so making peace and reconciling us both to god in one body through the cross and it kills the hostility now at some at some and in some moment we might say well that's the hostility between the jews and the gentiles well sure but it's also the hostility between sinful people and god God cannot be in the presence of evil. Cannot, he has to turn his back from sin. But the hostility between man and God is gone because of Jesus' sacrifice. Because he is the giver of all peace. So how do we get this peace? Well, it's committing our, our whole lives to Jesus. It's by completely trusting in him by saying, despite what difficulties are going on, Despite what might be trapping me in my life, if I completely submit to Jesus, I will have peace despite those circumstances. I'll have peace in my heart because I'll embrace him and give him a home in my heart. And then I will have peace with each other because I'm being patient with you. I'm learning to love you as Jesus loved us so much that he went to the cross So that we could have peace with God the Father, so one day we could live with Him forever. If you want that peace, all you have to do is accept it. The giver of peace, the Prince of Peace, has came who already came on this earth. He came for one purpose, and that purpose was to reconcile us to God. You can do that by being buried in the waters of baptism. If if you've not done that yet, we urge you to make that commitment to give your life to Jesus so you can walk in that newness of life, so you can be a child of God who's walking with us, and we're here to walk together. But maybe you've done that and you're struggling today, and you're struggling with not having peace. Maybe it's because of temptation, maybe it's because of uh, sufferings, maybe it's because of trials, whatever it may be. Know that we're a family together. as, As Paul just wrote, we're one body. And we're here to work together so that we can help each other go to heaven. Thou giving and forgiving,
0: ever blessing, ever blessed. Thank you again for joining us, and please consider subscribing to our YouTube channel or our podcast. We can be found on Apple Podcasts or any other podcast provider. Also, leave us a five star review, which will greatly assist in getting the message of God's love and salvation to others. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Be sure to join us again. And until then, remember to love like Jesus.